Hello everyone, I'm Lauren and that's Carla. Hi y'all. And this is Chirping with ABA Owls, Season 2, Episode 7. Okay, disclaimer, these are our thoughts and experiences. We are really not claiming to know everything. We are only speaking from our empirical um, practice and we really, really love sharing with others, okay? If you meet Carl in our real life, we like to talk about ABA in every form. <laughs> um, how it influences our daily lives, how it influences our relationships, etc. So we are very passionate about our experiences and how to share them with others. Is there anything we need to discuss from the previous podcast, Carla? I'm not entirely sure. Um, I don't think so. We did the Grow Model, um, which was a cool episode. I quite liked that one. Yeah. And we're sorry if, you know, hopefully people weren't bored with our history and language mini lesson. Oh, yeah. Begin. Sorry, I forgot about that already. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting, which though. Is, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm it really is, uh, We like talking about stuff, you know. I suppose, in a way, to bring it back to ABA, is like how language is shaped through reinforcement yeah. and punishment yeah, all yeah, over yeah, the yeah. people and how language is shaped. So, you know, it does have ABA elements, essentially. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's anything we need to discuss. Um, no, yeah. Please feel free to communicate any topics you want us to discuss on the podcast, guys. We are more than happy to have any input from anywhere. We ask people as well, and we get ideas from others, and ideas that happen in our day-to-day life you know Carl and I will think oh I think that's quite interesting let's do a podcast episode on that um so if you have any questions please feel free to email us we are aba.owls.uk at gmail.com you can also contact us through our website that's abaowls.com on Instagram we are aba sorry we are at aba underscore owls or on Facebook as aba owls so that is all the info I have to give for you now Oh, the ABAs. Um, and yes. for today, our top, uh, as we promised, so today is training staff, reinforcement, and MO, which to understand in a simpler form means motivation. Uh, on episode five, so two episodes ago, just before our, uh, our February break, we did mention that we'd be starting a new series. And this is one of the many topics to be covered. Um, last month, we discussed the GROW model which is also relevant in staff training. And this month we'll be discussing motivation and reinforcement for staff, an area that a lot of employers and managers actually neglect. So I'll leave you in the capable hands of Mish Lauren. Thank you. So as our usual format, we're going to do what? So what is reinforcement and motivation? Where and when can it be used and how? Okay. And then why? So we're going to follow that format. Carl and I are going to take a few each. So you're going to start off with me. Hello. And so what is reinforcement and motivation? Because we, and as you know us by now, we love a um, dictionary definition because it helps us frame um, what we are looking at. How, how we define it is how we're going to explain it further. So I did some research and I came across um, some information on the Beam ABA services. That's beamaba.com. Great website, really user-friendly. So go and have a look at their content. We don't get paid for referencing them or get any um, in, in any reinforcement <laughs> for mentioning them. But they, I found their website really helpful. Um, so And I quote from their website, beamaba.com. Like beam, like a beam of light, B-E-A-M. Sorry, just as some extra information there. As I, as I quote, is reinforcement involves consequences that strengthen behavior. 
To strengthen a behavior means to increase the likelihood that it will occur again in the future. So I like this because it not only talks about reinforcement being a good thing, because I think people always think that rewards, because we associate it with rewards, that reinforcement's always positive, but it might not always be. Okay, and let's take a look at some of the couple of examples, you know, from the list to help us explain it further. Okay, so what do we mean by reinforcing staff when training? I think in terms of ABA and working with our clients, we would have to look at know exact, like knowing exactly what reinforces our clients. So therefore, reinforcement is personalized and depends on the individual. Now, we should apply the same for our staff members, okay? I must mention here that not everyone is good at telling you what they like or what even they're motivated for, even. Even if they have excellent communication skills and are able to clearly tell you what they don't like, if you ask people, what are they motivated for? What do they want? What do they like? Sometimes people look at you blankly, okay? Which is interesting because they don't even know about their own selves. Um, And I didn't really know for a while. And then I started to think about myself. And now I'm more aware of what motivates me and what I find reinforcing, okay? And what I use to reinforce my own behavior, Okay, so this is something to bear in mind when thinking about what actually reinforces people. If you're really working as a behavior analyst, you're used to observing people and you know how to ask the right questions to discern information or you might be good at assessing or determining what reinforces people or what they're motivated for. But not everyone is good at this, guys. Not everyone has that level of ability to assess, determine, ask the right questions and observe. So if you're not naturally good at those things, you're going to struggle in this area. But it's something you can practice. Not all of us were always good at it, but I think we further enhanced some of the skills we already had when we started working in the field of ABA. Um, I also chose another quote because I thought it was important to mention a bit more information. Okay, so this I found from Applied Behavior Analysis edu.org okay and that's american spelling of behavior with no u so that's applied behavior analysis edu.org um and they and i quote from them saying quote reinforcement is the backbone of the entire field of applied behavior analysis so think about that as we continue guys it is the backbone and it is the reason for applied behavior analysis really and understanding and how to use it If you don't know how to reinforce people or you don't know what they're motivated for, you're probably not going to have very happy, confident or content driven staff members because you need to know what actually reinforces them to make them as effective as they can be for your organization. Okay, so there is something, there is a distinction that we should also bear in mind here. Just because someone prefers something doesn't mean that they necessarily will reinforce their behavior. Something becomes a reinforcer when it increases the target behavior or increases the likelihood of that target behavior occurring again. Very, very different from preferring something. For example, imagine a staff member prefers to have a longer lunch break, but the target behavior that's been chosen is getting the staff member to arrive on time for meetings. Giving them a a longer lunch break won't necessarily increase the likelihood of them arriving on time for meetings. What if the meeting is after lunch? Okay, so we need to make sure that if you're supplying the appropriate, what you're supplying is appropriate for the behavior you want to increase and actually reinforces people. Otherwise, it can be, can't be considered reinforcement. 
okay? Um, I also just wanted to briefly chat about motivation. We, we talked about MO earlier. It's a lot more complicated than actually just motivation, but for this podcast and for our sanity, we're just going to talk about motivation. <laughs> Clear, everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> Listen, just side note, I was ex- trying to explain to my dad what a CMOR was. Oh, wow. Because uh, my sister was quite interested. She was asking questions about... Cool. Um, Something about the difference between respondent conditioning and operant conditioning. Yes. And uh, and yeah, and I was explaining the difference, and my dad was like, "Guys, can you please not?" <laughs> yeah, can you just not? Anywho, it's yeah, tricky. Anywho. It's tricky stuff, guys. But it's actually so interesting mm. when you really get it. It's really like it's like I don't know. It just everything starts to make sense. Yeah. You, I feel like you start to see yeah. things clearer. Um, there's not cool. the complication that people like to add to the environment. Um, I found that really powerful when I was um, studying and working within the field quite intensively. You know, it was like day-to-day in the organization with the same kids and the same staff members. Um, But yeah, let's talk about briefly about motivation and how it works with reinforcement. Okay, we need to know what motivates people or what they are motivated for in order to reinforce them appropriately. Okay, if they're motivated for something and you can't use it to reinforce them. You're probably not going to increase the target behavior. You need to be able to harness that motivation to use as reinforcement. So, yeah, it's just a bit tricky, but they need to work hand on hand. You can't have one without the other. You need to understand what motivates someone in order to reinforce them. Okay. And, yeah, let's just give you another definition. Because, you know, we're obsessed with the definitions. And it's nice to give you a rounded picture of how people frame things and how they word things. So I found, according to verywellmind.com, is that motivation is the process that initiates, guides, and maintains goal-orientated behaviors. Motivation involves the biological, emotional, social, and cognitive forces that activate behavior. In everyday usage, the term motivation is frequently used to describe why a person does something. But I put, end quote, I do like this motivation because it's quite detailed and and sort of highlights the different facets of motivation. Okay, it's not just always something as simple as what someone wants. It's sometimes influenced by other things, okay? And of course, we need to understand what motivates people as I said, mentioned before, because if we can't use it to reinforce them, we are not going to increase the target behaviors we have chosen. And again, it has to be appropriate. So yeah, I think that's kind of my little introduction into reinforcement and motivation. Um, and also, actually, no, I won't mention this later. No worries. Okay. Carla, did you want to add anything? No, I think you've said it all. Okay, cool. So, sorry, you still stuck with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's, I'm going to talk about where and when. So where is it appropriate and when is it appropriate to reinforce staff or people? Okay. So I'm going to give you an example about something that I found really awkward. And it wasn't at the beginning of my career at this organization, but it definitely became a thing towards the end of my career at this organization. And Carla was there for some of some of my um, experiences. Yeah. So she can add her own little bit in a minute. But I think when and where can be difficult and awkward because if you're in a big place, it's difficult to for everybody to know what you're motivated for or what how to reinforce your behavior. So they kind of like blanket rule things. They think that people are reinforced by attention, so they use it. But sometimes that 
isn't going to increase the likelihood of you doing it again. So it might not be appropriate for everybody in terms of reinforcement. So here we go. Here's my example. <laughs> so we used to work in this organization and they were very big on giving out praise to staff within like whole organizational meetings. So I'd say, I mean, how many do you reckon? Like 50, 60 people in a room at once. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. So we had around eight tutors. So it was supervisor, instructor, and eight tutors. So that's ten people. And we had, let's think about the classes, one, two, three, four, five. So at least 60 to 70 people in the yeah, room. Because we had seven exactly. classes yeah. at, the time, had, like, at the time. Head teachers and, you know, head of yeah, whoever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Admin, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and... They would like to give out what they they used to give these certificates to staff, okay, to reward people, reinforce people. Well, it was deemed as rewards. Now, I think that some staff members felt incredibly uncomfortable about getting the certificate, as I did when I received them. Um, mm. And I know due to the fact that it was part of management, so we like we were part of our part of management at this time. So we would have to choose someone to get the certificate from each class. So to me, it wasn't really highlighting someone's real good job because you had to choose someone every week. So even though our staff were amazing and did their best, they might not always may have deserved the certificate. And I say that lightly, yeah, like. Yeah. I don't feel like they always need to be acknowledged for every small thing they did, you know, as nice as that is. I can do that in class by giving them, you know, yeah. like a, I can go and say thank you up to them personally. I don't have to do it in front of an entire organization of people. Oh, so, goodness, yeah. yeah, anyway, when and where you got to be careful, okay? Um, And, yeah, anyway, Carla, did you want to add anything to that? No, I just agree with you. I think people got satiated and it wasn't special anymore because every week someone had to be chosen from the every class. And when I, when then I was making the choice as well, I was just like, oh my God, are you serious? It it, it was ridiculous because we always had to go to that morning meeting on Monday, which is fine because it was an update. But the, the certificate stuff and people were just thinking, I would rather be setting up my work because yeah. Monday morning is when you have to set up everything for the week. And what happened was we had the morning meeting that it's like it went on and on forever, which was really annoying. And then plus the certificate. And it was like, can we just stop it now? We have stuff to do. Yeah, we, don't we actually want to do our like, actual job. Yeah, they yeah. should have just said, okay, is anyone, does anyone want to give a certificate? And then the classes that felt, when it could say, oh, yeah, we do, quick, quick, done, done. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, it, it was a whole quite a thing. I used to take, thing. I used to take um, records of who I gave it to, because, you know what I mean, for the, for, for the kids as Did well you? as the, the nice. staff. Because nice otherwise one. I ended up choosing the same people all the time. So, yeah. So, that's how, like, formulaic yeah. it became, unfortunately. So, yeah. Ugh. You know, as for where and when it's appropriate to reinforce people, I think, you know, this situation we just provided, that example of that situation we just provided, didn't really seem appropriate. Um, we also didn't take any data. So, we don't know whether it increased the target behaviors that we hadn't even thought about. <laughs> okay. What target behaviors are we trying to increase? Okay, and is this reinforcement going to increase the likelihood of that target behavior? I think we don't even know. And are there any other yeah. environmental factors that may influence this? We didn't even consider. Okay, so <laughs> it's important mm. to know these things, guys. 
Sometimes someone's learning history and reinforcement history is something that influences their behavior. For example, if you've been punished for being late, like socially shunned, you're probably going to be on time because you didn't like that. So that behavior was punished. It doesn't necessarily mean that this work environment, your behavior, you come with a history of behavior um, and reinforcement and those kinds of things. So your behavior could have really been shaped by another environment. It isn't now that you're in a new place that you suddenly start coming on time. So we also have to bear these things in mind. Okay. Um, but also, you know, what should we reinforce you with? Okay. With what? Okay. And how are we going to understand when and where is appropriate? So basically, we need to conduct a kind of assessment. Okay. This, this sounds like it's long-winded, but it doesn't have to be. Okay. We need to assess what the staff member prefers. Should, you know, and this should be done quite regularly as because motivation fluctuates, guys. It changes all the time. Think about mm -hmm. yourself. Sometimes you want something, sometimes you don't. Okay. If you eat a whole bar of chocolate and someone else offers you another piece of chocolate, you're probably less likely to eat it. So your motivation for chocolate has decreased. So these are important things to, to consider. Okay. And assuming that your staff will always want the same reinforcer is a mistake. Okay, and you might this might lead to a drop in performance. So be be wary of these things. You can also like yeah, we, and yeah. I was just gonna say like um, even though they were talking about stuff, I remember when we was with the kids and they're like, I offered his most preferred video and he doesn't want it anymore. I'm like, yeah, because he probably watched it a thousand times. And whereas sometimes yeah, they will watch it a thousand times. Maybe the one thousand and one time exactly is the one. He's you know, enough. it's the what, uh, yeah, exactly. So you need, and it's almost like sometimes people view autistic children or even children as puzzles or stuff and don't think, actually, if you as an adult get tired of things quite quickly, especially with the internet nowadays, mm. how how do you think they feel? I think everything is amplified when you're a child, in of my course. view. And your world so is small kind of, because you're young and you've only experienced yeah, so many yeah. things. Your behavioral history is quite short. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know? Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's just really important um, to to relate to your own experience. Because I think, if we're, as Carla said, you're trying to figure out a puzzle without trying to relate it to your own experience as a human and as a person who has behavior. It's a lot easier to experience it that way than trying to understand someone else, making it more, making it more complicated than it needs to be. Um, and, you know, like, we understand that, you know, you can be asking staff what they want every day of the week or even every weekly, but it's important to try and assess, pre you know, their preferences quite frequently. So how frequently? Okay, so there's a study done by Wine, Gilroy, and Hatulia. How do you say that? Hantulia. Hantula. Hantula? 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 Sorry, whoever that is. I'm really sorry. I did do that. <laughs> Um, that you know that that the, the, the study suggests that doing it every couple of weeks or shorter is quite good. So it's easier said than done. But I, you know, as someone who really genuinely believes that human resources are incredibly important to any organization, if they're not valued yeah. or reinforced appropriately, you won't bring out the best in them, and therefore your organization won't do the best because they don't have the best staff with the best intentions. Okay, so. It all filters in. Like people think it's a waste of time to invest in stuff, but it isn't because they're going to be with you for the. If they invested in you and they feel rewarded, they're going to be with you for longer, and go on this journey with you. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to know that, guys. Okay. 
and this obviously this is this is this is regarding assessment of preferences as to when to reinforce and you know there are many variables okay first off what is the target behavior do we need constant reinforcement for it or do we need to space it out do we need breaks in between it the most crucial aspects is that when reinforcement should be delivered contingent on the target behavior occurring if it's not occurring without being contingent on the behavior you are not going to see an increase of that target behavior. It's not considered reinforcement. It needs to contact that target behavior. Okay. There are many studies to show that reinforcement is most effective when it's delivered immediately after the behavior occurred. You know, but obviously with neurotypical adults in a work environment, it's not always impo it's not always possible to reinforce immediately. But we as humans, as you know, neurotypical adults, delayed reinforcement is something we experience frequently in such a way of salary or wages we get paid at the end of the month okay we save up to buy things we want okay so delayed reinforcement is something we experience like booking a holiday we get excited for the holiday even though it might be three months down the line because it's delayed reinforcement in the action and you know waiting till you can experience something you know all these kinds of things are delayed reinforcement which most people have yeah. experienced and can relate to okay so it's not uh, alien to us so we, we need to be considering those kinds of things. So yes, it should be contacting the target behavior, but if it's not possible, how can we do it? Delayed reinforcement is also successful. So that's me on when and where. Oh, thank you. I think that's it. Did you um, want to add anything, Carla? No, everything I'm going to add is just a continuation of what you already cool. said. Thank you. So in onto the how and Lauren you know touched base a little bit on assessing preferences and reinforcement and I'm going to talk about how how do you reinforce how do you assess etc so assessing reinforces and motivation preferences as well can be difficult and it can be time consuming we all know this like Lauren said if there's an organization with lots of people it can be super hard and you know you only have so many hours in the daytime uh, even when people are asked to complete, for example, a survey about what they prefer, they aren't always honest. Like Lauren mentioned this as well. Like they, you know, sometimes they don't know what they want or sometimes they don't want to say. And not to mention that a survey is the same as giving them another task to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know what I mean? When we got the survey, we were like, oh my God, we oh, oh. No. And then we, you And then you would get the email saying, have you done the survey? Have you done the yes. survey? We, like, and it's like, oh my God, leave me alone. Um, so yeah, so even if you interview your staff on a one-to-one -one basis, which, you know, giving them, uh, you know, airtime, they might not want to tell you, you know, you're the employer, you're the manager, like they might not want to tell you exactly what they would like. And this can be maybe because they don't trust you. They can be because they feel embarrassed or any other reason you're not aware of. Like Lauren mentioned, the uh, the learning history, maybe they're not used to having to tell people what they want, so they blank. And it it's like, like Lauren said, it's a journey and it takes time. And Lauren said, like, now she's more aware of what she likes to work for. And so am I. But you, it always, it's a, it's a learning curve because it changes all the time, you know? Absolutely. So this, yeah. And this being said, it is still important to ask staff what they want. Even if it's difficult and time consuming, it should always be done regardless. And this can be a mixture of interviews and surveys. So 
But whether you choose one method or to combine them, try to make it as less demanding as possible. And, you know, a mixture of open questions, array of options, and would you rather can pre prove to be more effective than just asking open-ended questions. Okay, so it's good to have, you know, not make it too demanding, but have a mixture of different things because then you can actually see if the answers are consistent, you know. And you can also observe staff. So what kind of leisure activities they prefer, they talk about, what tasks do they work on first and which ones they avoid. But also be mindful that, you know, observation can make people feel uncomfortable. So don't be always like on top of them or looking over their shoulder or always listening in. Like just, you know, be subtle, let's say. Be subtle. Um, and another thing about the surveys is, you know, people find a, a time frame where they can do the survey that doesn't take away too much of their time, let's say, for example, uh, what can we do? Instead of saying at the end of the day, just ask people, um, okay, these 15 minutes early morning is for everyone to do the survey, please. And just make it a, maybe an event and say, okay, these are the 15 minutes time for the survey. We need everyone to log in. And, and then it's over and done with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, choose your time. Choose choose a time like even if you assign this is a time assigned just for the survey instead of taking it away from the time they have for other tasks like i'm yeah. just thinking about when you used to work at school and it was mm. you know it was you know it was quite yeah, and there's a lot thing. of demands on you so if you can make time management like a non-issue you just go look we're going to be doing this yeah now. i'll give you the 15 minutes yeah. back another day whatever then yeah yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem like you're taking away time where they should be doing other things. So I hear you. Yeah, yeah. And lastly, test it. If someone loves going to cinema like Lauren and I do, yeah. uh, and and you give them movie tickets for finishing a big assignment on time, notice if their behavior of finishing assignments within the deadline is improving. And of course... Finishing a big assignment can be a bit of a vague target, so you might have to define what qualifies as big, or even define which behaviors are necessary to finish the assignments on time, such as, you know, organizing their time, uh, scheduling catch-up meetings, etc. So you'd have to see, you have to, op we call it operationally defined, so you have to be specific, what are the behaviors that lead up to finishing an assignment, and see if those behaviors are in increasing because all of those behaviors added together are have the end goal of submitting an assignment within the deadline. So that's where you'd look at. Uh, and then it's also considering the types of reinforcement that you can actually offer. And Lauren and I spoke a bit about symbolic awards like the Star of the Week earlier about the certificate. And, you know, staff would receive a certificate and so it's a tangible item, but the item itself was associated with social praise and it doesn't mean it worked as a reinforcer because also we don't have data to support it. We have no idea if it worked as a reinforcer and we knew people, some people were awkward about it. Um, and tangibles can vary from objects to activities. So the example I, I gave you for the cinema tickets, they're technically a tangible item, but it is to gain access to an activity. So different people like different things, obviously, and some staff might even like learning. So having access to workshops or training can be valuable for them to further their skills. But other people might view learning as an extra thing to do and they don't want to do it. So again... Um, 
look at what different people like. So there is also social praise, uh, a manager complimenting you on your work, sometimes in private, sometimes in front of others. And research on this topic has shown that a mix of social and tangible reinforcement seems to be the most effective, but again, it needs to work for your staff. Lauren, anything you want to add before I go to into why? No, I'm happy with that. Thank you. So, why? Why do we do it? And some of you might wonder, why do I need to add more reinforcement when they already get paid a salary? This should motiv be motivating enough for them to work. Well, if that were true, then people would not change jobs. Period. And let's look into what a salary actually reinforces. A staff member receives a salary for attending work for a certain amount of hours. They receive wages, rate, whatever, on a weekly or monthly basis. Some people receive it after they finish an assignment, straight away. If they are late performing tasks, they do not get the salary deducted, nor should they, because the salary is meant for you attending a certain amount of work. Therefore, the salary is not reinforcing their productivity. It's reinforcing them showing up for work consistently. And people who work on commission, for example, in sales, have to engage in certain behaviors to earn their commission. In this situation, earning the commission is working as motivation for the behavior of selling more, for the behaviors that lead up to selling more items. But it will only be a reinforcer if the behavior is maintained or improved. So all the convincing they do with people either needs to be maintained or needs to be improved so they can sell more and earn the commission. And even with the salary, you know, I, I mentioned that people don't get deducted if they don't do their job, and they shouldn't, but they might get fired. So in a way, people also do some of the... They do enough work to avoid getting fired, to avoid the punishment. <laughs> so doing work... It's not always motivated by the reinforcement of salary. Sometimes it's motivated to remove a potential punisher, which is being getting fired. And if you need staff to display more specific behaviors within the workday, then you'll have to reinforce them for those behaviors. And here's an example from my experience. Um, like Lauren and I mentioned, we worked in an organization, a school, and before I left, I had to manage and train tutors in my classroom. And each tutor had a pupil, and they would run each pupil's individual and tailored targets. Um, staff didn't always run every target, and they didn't always ask me or the supervisor for help. And once a week, so this is something I did as a manager, um, and I'm going to brag, I'm sorry, this was not, was not because someone told me to do it. This was my decision to do, because most managers, other than Lauren that I'm aware of, would not do this. So once a week... I would give each tutor half an hour to do their paperwork, because they're meant to have admin time, whilst I spend time with their pupil. So I ran the targets they seemed to avoid, and I tried to understand what was happening and tried to see, you know, if something could be improved on the data sheet or the procedure. So, you know, if you want to talk the talk, walk the walk. And first off, the tutors were really, the tutors were really, really, I'm going to start over. First off, the tutors were really happy to receive that half an hour of paperwork because in other classes, 
they didn't provide this half an hour, either because they couldn't, I know, short-staffed, or because they didn't want to. Because honestly, some of the managers where we work at just didn't want to bother. Like, oh, yeah, it's my time is more important than the tutors, you know. And secondly, the tutors really liked having that small break, because even though they adored their pupils, and I know they did, it could be quite tiring sometimes, and I think everyone needs a bit of a respite of, you know, just yeah. need a bit of a... Yeah. And thirdly, when they saw me being more hands-on, it served as a modeling behavior, and they started doing more of those hard targets and even ask more questions about it. So me helping them, giving them more attention and paperwork time served as a reinforcer for them running the harder targets and for asking for my help when needed. And I didn't have to use a start-of-the-week certificate to get them to increase certain behaviors. Um, and one of the staff members once told me she had been planning on giving a resignation before she came into our class. and But after she came into my class, she changed her mind because myself and our supervisor were giving her more attention and support than her previous class manager did. And just with this, we retain a member of staff. So this is why it's important to reinforce staff throughout the workday, you know. So, Lauren, I think I'm done. Anything you want to add? No, I'm happy. I mean, yeah, you know, we just have to really think about how we actually are going to reinforce staff. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think that's it. Hey, guys. I'm just going to move on to our end thoughts. So mostly, I just want to say, I think it's really vital to understand reinforcement and what actually reinforces people. You'll be surprised how many people, as I said before, A, can't tell you and B, don't know themselves. So it's important that mm -hmm. we, in, the, in the, the power seat of understanding behavior, you know, we help them find these things and then use it to reinforce them appropriately. Okay, so motivation and how to motivate people is always very important. And I'll give you an example, and it sounds a bit weird, but... It's something I think about when I lack motivation in terms of like how I can reinforce myself immediately or even with delayed reinforcement with things or you know, with tangible items or um, some kind of activity that I like to do. Um, so I had a head teacher at my high school and um, I remember her, she was, I had a lot of respect for her because she was, she had this beautiful English accent. I think she'd studied in the UK, a South African woman, but I think she'd have been educated and she had like a doctorate in... English or something, something crazy good. And um, she stood up and she used to talk about how, you know, in, a, in our final year, in our final assembly, she stood up and she was like, right, you are the young woman of the future. And if you guys don't take the opportunities that have been given to you, like, you know, you just have to do this for other people. And I always think about her and how that motivates me to help the next generation of young women and how we can actually it's motivated a lot of my career and how I, you know, how I treat other people and how I reinforce other people and how I care for other people because I think about how much she gave to us in order to give to the next. So, yeah, I suppose that's what motivates me and how I think about when I'm feeling lack of motivation, I think about what she would do and how she spoke to us. So yeah, I think it's really oh, important. That's lovely. Even if it's something random. Yeah, she was amazing. I mean like scary, but amazing. She used to wear <laughs> a cloak. They usually you know are those you know those like lawyers black cloaks that they wear in, in Oh. Oh she used yeah. To wear one of those to yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So oh. she was very formal. Like Ruth, and she like, was very like Ruth Gutenberg. Yeah, she was. In, I just, I'll never forget her as long as I live. So I think about her often when I'm lacking direction and motivation. Because I think, you know, if she oh, if she nice. had to know what we what the we missed these opportunities to help the next. You know, it's not it's it's a good thing to pass it on. So yeah, that's kind of my end thoughts, even if it isn't really associated to motivation reinforcement. But I do think about her often and her words, and they do yeah, motivate me. The modeling, yeah, inspiration yeah. modeling, and and you know, we spend so much time working, and we won't enjoy every single work task. We just won't. But trying to keep staff's motivation or pupil motivation, uh, even decreasing work difficulties, you know, should always be an aim. And if you're really interested uh, in this topic, uh, have a look at www.chiefmotivatingofficers.com. So I did an OBM course with them recently, uh, Organization Behavior Management, and it was super interesting. And they go into a lot of detail about, you know, it's like about training staff, and it's run by a BCBA called Shannon Bianchi. I hope, sorry if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. And it's a really good starting point if you're interested in in this area and plus if you have CEUs to do to maintain your BCBA certification you receive nine learning credits and 7.5 supervision credits after completing the course that's 16.5 credits you know guys it's a lot and you know you can do the model separately or you can buy the entire course and I actually think it's cheaper if you just get the entire course and it it was really interesting and I'm quite you know I'm quite invested in it but you know now I've done most of my credits before my first year, so I can chill for the next year, year and a half or something, <laughs> which is, you know, pretty cool for me. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so, isn't it? Like, oh, I was so happy. Of course, you know, Lauren and our friend, you remember Tracy, they didn't re- socially reinforce me for bragging for having 21 credits done, but, you know, I reinforced myself, had a drink with my neighbor, so I reinforced myself. <laughs> Good for you. So... I know, it was really cool. I was like, oh, yeah, I did this. And I went downstairs chatting to my neighbor and we just had some gin and tonic. (laughs) But also it's helped you understand more globally how organizations can better reinforce and motivate. Oh, yeah, it was really good. So so it's not only been interesting for you, but it's helped you in your career. You know, so I think it's a really good thing. And she she has a lovely voice um, when she's talking about the stuff so I quite like that it is very important isn't it sure yeah and the OBM course as I mentioned above um just now there's a website and again for everyone listening is www.chief so c-h-i-e-f motivating o-m-o-t-i-v-a-t-i-n-g officers o-double-f I-C-E-R-S dot com and I'm spelling it out because sometimes my accent's a bit weird so I want to make sure you have the right one we'll put the website on the blurb etc and the wine article Lauren mentioned is also featured in this OBM course and the study itself is called Temporal Instability of Employee Preferences for Rewards by Wine, Gilroy and Antula I'm going to say Antula 2000 yeah, to, like Tarantula, but with an H, Hanchula, yeah, Hanchula. Uh, two, 2012. And we will write the details on the podcast blurb. 
So feel free to email us again on aba.owls.uk at gmail.com or messages on Insta at aba underscore owls. And if you have a particular topic you'd like us to address or a question, just, you know, we'll love to hear from you. So we're here for you. Yeah, thanks. And the Hoot Chronicles will be out in the next two weeks on the 18th of April. And our next Owls episode, that's Chirping with ABA Owls episode, will be out on the first Monday of May, the 2nd of May. If you have a moment, please rate, like and subscribe. Word on the street is it helps us get more listeners. And if we get more listeners, we get we can help more people. So that's what our motivation is to do too, guys. So please, we're chirping with ABRs on iTunes and on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye.